Monkey till I go. The podcast project of the Fenebulist. By Leopold Lambert. Today, the body is plastic, negotiating with gravity, with Eve Belly. Hello everyone, today my guest is uh, Eve Belly, who is um, uh, a French sculptor in, uh, in New York, who is a uh, I'm saying she's a sculptor, but that's that's really a, a small label to put on her, <laughs> considering the fact that she's also a dancer and she has a classical music education. She's doing, uh, uh, she's been uh, learning martial arts for a very long time. She's uh, doing metal work, woodwork, uh, film setting, construction, uh, and and many more things again. Uh, hello, hello, Eve. Hi. <laughs> Um, so maybe to, to, to add a little bit to this introduction, uh, I can say that you, you recently finished uh, uh, your first uh, permanent sculpture in Russia and you're about to, to go create a new one in Switzerland for the 3D Foundation uh, for a sculptor, a sculpture park uh, residency. Uh, so we today we're going to talk a little bit about your work and um, uh, that's something we've been doing in the past. So we are, we have a we have a little bit of a routine <laughs> about about it now. But but uh, we will also bring the conversation to a, to a more uh, uh, maybe out of our our comfort zone <laughs> uh, to talk about uh, in general the the body because your your work is. Uh, is challenging what we think we know about the body. Um, so maybe just as a, as a very first question, uh, let me uh, let me ask you uh, to maybe share a little bit with our listener uh, a description of the place we are in, please. Yeah, uh, so we are in my studio in Brooklyn, in Crown Heights, not too far from the Brooklyn Museum. And it's actually, the building is the uh, old uh, Heinz factory. Yeah, and um, that turned into a, a storage kind of building and then was bought by a young couple uh, who turned it into uh, artist uh, spaces. And so it's really amazing. It's a beautiful community. We have graphic designers, uh, printers, uh, metal workers, uh, painters, uh, filmmakers. I mean, it's just uh, really beautiful. And uh, the quality of the building is amazing. It's um a brick building, but with like concrete, like uh, um, vaulted, like uh, concrete ceilings and huge uh, metal steel, like uh, pillars. And so, cast and iron, I believe. Cast iron yeah. pillars, yeah, it's beautiful. And uh, so, very high ceilings, uh, concrete floors, yeah. And actually, uh, we have solar panels, and uh, everything is heated, and the electricity comes from uh, sunlight. Mm. There's also a garden up, upstairs and uh, bees and they actually they also make cheese downstairs so <laughs> wow. here you go so maybe sometimes you don't even leave the building anymore <laughs> no. all right so this is about the building itself but uh what about the room we're in which like your studio that's that's quite a fantastic place there. yeah so there's a f uh like it's actually uh, the, the studio is set up for studio visits at the moment, so you're in a very clean and organized uh, moment of this, the life of the studio. But um, there are different uh, 
generations of work. There are uh, perspective drawings up here, some uh, drawings, uh, gestures that uh, combine architectural blueprints and the uh, um, uh, and the body, uh, the um, how do you call it, the anatomy of the body, and then you have uh, models, uh, small models of uh, white sculptures um, that help me. Um, look for shapes for those large sculptures that are right behind you. Mm-hmm. We should actually show a picture of that. Yeah, uh, yeah. and then you have so these like uh, 10 feet high uh, white sculptures that um, were installed on the waterfront in Brooklyn with the Manhattan skyline in the background and I had dancers perform on them uh, over a period of three days. And then some uh, drawings in progress, another, you know, Pretty crazy sculpture right here. Photograph illustrating a performance. Mm. And, and tools. And many, tools. Many tools. It's true. A lot of tools. I forget these guys. They're my very good friends. And little drawers where I can Everywhere is organized. Tape, glue, <laughs> stapler, iron. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have this fantasy. Uh, uh, like, I saw an image of uh, Yoko Ono in mm. her uh, uh, studio slash office. Uh, with John Lennon and he's just sitting in a chair relaxed and she's up on the ladder and there are all these files cabinet but it's the room is just files mm-hmm. file cabinets and I, it's a dream of mine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to have such room and just be there like because every, my my thinking is so arborescent like going all over the place that I, I feel like I have to have a file for everything you know because otherwise it's impossible to keep track of, of and bounce of, you know an idea to from one to the other mm-hmm. so but I'm um, kind of uh, thinking maybe that's just a fantasy and I should like <laughs> stick with like the the crazy uh, the crazy uh, uh, sketchbooks uh, yeah. in many sizes and, and shapes and colors and yeah. well for for a messy pe- person like me it's certainly impressive that's for sure so <laughs> uh, all right. Well, you already started describing a little bit uh, uh, some of the pieces you've been um, you've been creating, and um, and you've, you not only you've been creating, but you've been building by yourself, and for some of them you've been performing on them. So there's a uh, I would say there's your the the notion of body is already very much involved within even their uh, before the piece actually exists, isn't it? Yeah, well, the well, that's actually what um, started it all because I'm so um, uh, involved, so physical in in so many ways. Um, I just love to build things, you know. So there is already like the the, the physical is already in, invested in in the making of the object, but then there's uh, the love of uh, dance and martial arts and uh, um, just uh, moving in space and. And so I just started combining these things where I, I, I was like, how can I, inter-? you know, I wanted to just build a practice where um, I can have it all, basically, where I wouldn't have to go somewhere to dance or go somewhere to this or go somewhere. So busy to start being able to m- make it all happen under one roof. And uh, so I slowly um, experimented with um, dance and gestures and how they could evolve into um objects choreographies i don't know um i was just basically trying to i'm still now it's uh it it has uh, a shape like it's it's been shaped already and i'm 
um, evolving with the aesthetic, but like the the, the process itself is pretty uh, already uh, organized, mm -hmm. in which like um, yeah gestures and and the body are the inspiration mm -hmm. for the how I shape materials. So there's um, there's something that is uh, that is uh, definitely consistent about about your work. It's this uh, this form of negotiation of uh, with gravity in in all your pieces that uh, that uh, requires a body to uh, to work with them, to work with those pieces, to negotiate with uh, to negotiate with gravity, but uh, uh, sometimes even to negotiate with uh, the other body that is uh, also. Uh, that is also working with this piece. I mean, I'm thinking in particular of, of the piece uh, that you call in, Intuit, which had this uh, um, this uh, balance, like a little bit like the game we we were playing uh, in uh, in the playground with as kids, like where we have two people on, on both sides and, and they need to negotiate together to know which position of the body will affect uh, gravity. So can you can you maybe tell us a little bit about this uh, this negotiation in general in your work? Uh, yeah, well, actually, that just that piece in particular um, called uh, Intuit uh, that I actually made uh, for the Dumbo Art Festival in 2011, and I had uh, so it's like a 25 or 30 feet long, I can't remember exactly, uh, teeter totter. Um, where, like, in the beam is actually uh, six feet off the ground, and uh, with dancers going on the beam on either side and uh, balancing, you know, each other's weight and gestures. Um, so we were about, like, 10, 12 dancers, and we uh, performed uh, three days in a row for, like, maybe five or six hours a day. And... Um, And the idea is about um, s several ideas in there. It's like a groundlessness, uh, where once you step on the beam, there's actually no no reference point. I mean, like you can't hang on to anything, uh, but your own uh, intuition. And when I say intuition, I mean more like uh, your own um, uh, reflexes, like and your own like in body intelligence. And that's what's keeping you on the beam and and balancing. And in my previous works, I was doing that on my own. And the balance and the negotiation was between the object I was creating, uh, creating my own settings and playing within those settings. Mm. But this time, it's the first time I had somebody else coming in and actually negotiating not only with the uh, uh, contraption that I built, but also with another person. Um, and so this idea of grandlessness, but then this idea that we're also uh, very much all connected and that a slight gesture, whether, it can, you know, li literally a gesture, a physical gesture, or whether it is an action or whether it is a thought or whatever, we're all very uh, interconnected and that one influenced the other. And on that beam, it's just uh, um, literally highlighted. And, and, and you see that, like, If, and if it depends on your degree of awareness also as a viewer, but it, like you see one person uh, moving slightly the arm, barely the arm, and already shifting the, the entire weight of the machine, and so that the other person is moving, so they have to be extremely aware of each other, but they cannot look at each other, because mm -hmm. if you sometimes want to keep the eye contact, that's when you lose the... Your, your sense of your own body in space. And so, so it's like, it's, it was really, really interesting. And also to see the personalities of the people on there, who is actually more able 
to negotiate. Some are better negotiators, some are also um, more um, daredevils or like uh, more daring, and, but in, are they going to put the other person in more in danger and stuff? Some are more like able to actually be daring and negotiate at the same time. So it was very interesting. Mm. Actually, it helped me also like um, um, selecting some of the dancers that I appreciate the most. And I, uh, we worked on several other projects after that. Yeah, and it, it's definitely not a, an overstatement to talk about danger, especially in that piece, because uh, we're, we were dealing with uh, pretty pretty uh, important heights. And in, ge- mm. in general, I, there's there's a few pieces. I'm also thinking of uh, of such a pretty girl. Um, uh, the name of the piece where uh, there, such a pretty girl behave yourself. Oh, such a pretty girl <laughs> behave, behave yourself. yourself. I see, but. Uh, in that piece as well, there was um, there was definitely uh, uh, danger involved. Uh, so, what is that? Is that something that's well, important? Well, yeah, it's a question that comes back always. But I don't. I never. Um, for me, the the, the 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 question of danger is just a, an extra challenge, um, and it's more as um, and it, to add an extra fun, you know, mm-hmm. to because um, see if you don't. Uh, push those limits and, and bring in a little bit of danger, then uh, the negotiation is kind of, uh, can become a little boring or, mm. or less extreme or less, uh, you know, the degree of awareness has to be much higher if the stake is, you know, like, um, for example, that, that um, piece on, it actually, the, the notion of danger is also very um, um, relative in the sense that, a danger for a certain person might be a very different... The degree of danger depends on the degree of skills also, mm-hmm. you know, and, and of your own, the awareness of your own potential and what you can achieve or not. So I always uh, make it just, just like uh, challenging enough that I can push myself a little further, but not endangering. Like I'm not interested in the endangered body. I would never... Um, see, we we ha- we tested that uh, structure. Like for example, the Intuit, we uh, we tested the structure uh, in the studio, and because I wanted the, all the dancers, of course, uh, though it is um, totally improvisation based, mm-hmm. I wanted to the dancers to, to you know see who could do it or not, and actually invited like maybe twenty five girls, you know, came and tried it, and some were like thought they would be able to do it. When they saw the drawings and heard the ideas, but then once they were on it, it was impossible for them to move. Mm-hmm. They were completely, they're scared or not being able to at all move on the beam. And some others that didn't think they could do it actually like really went uh, further than their initial fear and were actually able to move on it. And some others were just completely comfortable. And so for me, that for that piece, um, uh, be, uh, Such a Pretty Girl, Behave Yourself, um, I'm going backward. I'm doing a backflip on from a six foot ladder with a counterweight uh, at the other end, and um, and f- it's actually not dangerous. I mean, for me, it wasn't, mm-hmm. but it's more like it's scary, but it's not dangerous. Like I was I, when I'm uh, going backward. Nobody likes to go backward. Like I, I noticed that, and that's why actually on a lot of my pieces, I'm actually going backward. Like, you know, I'm throwing myself back, and that's that gives you a sense of like, wow, like you're going in in space. 
when you go forward you kind of like you can anticipate what's what's coming you know when you go backward you can't so you really have to trust your sense of your special uh sense of self you know and uh and so that little moments but once you're there when once you reach the the handles that you found like out of you know with without visibility then you have you find again that's a more secure space where you feel comfortable in flipping over you know but in the specific uh piece of uh intuit uh, what what i found interesting in this notion of danger is the fact that two bodies are involved and basically they're each body is responsible of the danger in which the other one is being put. Yes. Because of that. Yeah, and actually, it's a very uh, important um, um, notion in my work, also um, uh, to have a restraint. It's actually fundamental in my work. I don't speak enough about it, but uh, I think the the beauty of all this is like how can you have your fun while negotiating with your own fears, negotiating with the fact that you might be putting somebody, that listening to somebody and might be putting somebody else in, in, in danger with you, where, how, what's the element that actually keeps it together? It's the sense of restraint and, 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 and awareness, listening you know, to, to all the elements. Like you could be listening to the, all the elements and then all of a sudden psychologically feel like a superhero and, and do something that is going to throw the whole equilibrium off but like by this exploring within that sense of restraint can be actually quite beautiful and quite uh, rewarding as a performer and and i suppose what you call listening we could uh, bring it back to the notion of intuition somehow and yes while well, listening with all senses mm-hmm. and and uh and i suppose this notion uh helps me to bring the um, uh, the philosophical work that I like to associate with your work, uh, which is uh, which is uh, Spinoza's, uh, in uh, uh, I do that quite often now. Yeah, Spinoza, <laughs> Spinoza. Spinoza. <laughs> uh, but but maybe just to 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 explain a little bit why I'm necessarily uh, uh, bringing it in because uh, it's 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 it would be based on the what what Spinoza calls the, the three modes of perception uh, and that. Uh, Gilles Deleuze explains with the example of the wave, so that it, he makes it very, very simple to understand. Is that, uh, to to put it very simply, there's the, the, the first the first basic the mode of uh, mode of perception would be the one experienced by a body that we say this body cannot swim. What that means is this body is taking a wave in in its face. <laughs> And, uh, and Deleuze in his class say, "Oh, oh, the wave, the wave! It bit me! It bit me!" Uh, so that's that's the first mode of perception. The, the second would be the one of someone we say uh, this this body can swim, which basically consists in the ability for a body to place to situate its uh, m- material parts, every every material part that composes this body. In adequation, in in harmony with um, the parts of the wave itself, and that's what we call uh, um, uh, knowing how to swim. Uh, uh, but then there's a third mode of perception, which is even more acute than that, um, which consists in some kind of uh, absolute reading of all the forces and and materiality involved in this operation. So all the vectors of movement of the wave and all the uh, uh, material composition of the wave, and that's what 
that's what uh, Spinoza, uh, that's where Spinoza brings intuition, which is uh, the the ability to maybe anticipate a movement because you're able to read it. So I think I think you're. Uh, uh, I know that it's always me who brings uh, a little bit from the outside uh, this philosophy upon your work, but I I, I can see a, a huge connection in in this trying to reach this third degree of... of uh, Absolutely. Hmm. I mean, it's just... It's, yeah, you don't impose it at all. It's just... Uh, uh, I That's what I tend towards uh, in all the work. Uh, you can even call it like some kind of perfection. Like... Uh, like uh, to have a perfect reading of like... Um, Actually, what's what's a lot of fun is like I'm not just using somebody else's uh, structure, right? I'm actually um, thinking about the movement in the structure. I'm building the structure and I'm experimenting on the structure and I'm inviting others and choreographing as as well and helping others experiment with the structure. And uh, I I do tend to um, want to have the perfect reading. Uh, and in, in in many ways, um, some people find my work very um, uh, aesthetically pleasing uh, and and pretty, which um, sometimes to the detriment of uh, of the the content, you know. Where um, I think for me to try to negotiate my body, whether it's my body in space or yeah, my, my body in space, like dealing with gravity and equilibrium. Um, basically, the, the main thing here is like how... To me, it's so important to listen to the body because to me, the, the body is like... You know, I'm, I'm, I'm seeking equilibrium, the perfect equilibrium, whether it's like uh, equilibrium per se, like, you know, keeping one's balance and then the equilibrium in terms of... Um, um, It's just I've been it's like seeking this balance, you know, in my life. I mean, every I think everybody tries, you know. But the thing is, like, I'm I'm actually doing it in a very uh, physical way as much as a psychological way, mm-hmm. and uh, um, I think it helps. I think both help. Um, like I've, I've I remember like totally uh, staying in, uh, in when I in, I had an apartment a studio in Paris when I was studying in uh, Les Beaux Arts de Paris. Uh, staying hours by myself in silence and sitting there. And at the time, I had no idea what meditation was, really. I just, you know, I just happened to do it on my own because it was a necessary thing to do. But where I was struggling, really, like, okay, where is this influence coming from? Is this, like, my education? Is this my parents? Is it school? Is it society? Is it my guts? Is it my heart? Is it my brain? I mean, where is this signal coming from? And so I, I think uh, I did it like this through meditation and trying to figure out where I was in my life, etc. But I think that's exactly what's happening also in my work in a more uh, physical and literal way mm. uh, where you, um, you just um, set the constraints in, in which you want to evolve and, uh, and then you play with those constraints and then with a little bit of uh, restraint, a lot of fun, uh, playfulness, you know, this whole uh, uh, associations of, uh, mm-hmm. of ideas. And, and I suppose what, what, what interests me in your work as well is the fact that um, 
even though sometimes the work is uh, designed around one specific body, which often is uh, your own, um, it's really a matter of degree rather than a matter of essence that makes it uh, specific to your body. Because basically, uh, uh, there it like I'm sorry. Let me let me rephrase that. It's like if if you take a stair, for example, and if mm. your work would uh, try to look at how the body is climbing a stair, you would start with an object that's already calibrated for a very uh, specific body, which is uh, usually corresponding to the norm in society. Uh, so a child, for example, would certainly not be, uh, it would not be an optimal architecture for a child, for example, or, or an elderly. Uh, um, but in your work, I think you take great care to bring an object that's not been calibrated yet for uh, according to at least uh, the society society's norms so after that after that you're you're using uh, this piece with your own body or with someone else's body but basically just like you say you invite other body to to join in because uh, it's um, they might they might experience this object that that uh, in another way than the one uh, that was originally sung. yeah that's actually what's kind of interesting and I have actually I'm not sure yet why this is happening because I'm actually I'm actually just starting to really uh, 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 develop my work for the public right but what's happening is like it doesn't matter uh, I always do it to my proportions and to my weight counterweights etc because I'm the first uh, protagonist uh, in all my work but it just happened for some awkward reason that um, it just works mm -hmm. for many people. Like, actually, everybody. You, not everybody, but like, go ahead. Mm, no, but I, th I think it's be because, I mean, everybody who will look at the photos of your work will probably understand that, that there, there are objects that you're not used to see. So they do not already register within... Oh, a yeah. set of habits and a set of prejudice about how you might oh my god yeah my work is just completely against any habit that you can have <laughs> like this is, i mean no in a sense like i really this is something that i i i i, I try to actually um, surprise myself mm -hmm. like to not have a preconceived idea of what the shapes will be like and as a matter of fact, it's very interesting how, like, uh, you know, I decided to be, uh, sculpture would be my thing when I actually um, discovered um, uh, Gaudi. Mm. And I thought Gaudi, when I was 17, I was like, I was like, this guy is brilliant. And I, I actually hated most of his work, right? I thought it was not really pretty at all and kind of weird looking and ugly. But I thought there's something brilliant about this guy where he does it regardless of the taste or regardless of the aesthetic he goes whatever strikes him or like appeals to him you know he goes and pushes it and just do it and those shapes that he gets are like just completely some some are so weird like so almost um you know um uh, with the surrealist like uh, very uh, unconscious you know mm -hmm. and um and so I just uh, love that. I, uh, so I'm re really attracted by this, and and I was not formulating at the time, but I know now that's what attracted me uh, in his work. And so now, 
I, I, I do have a set of, I have an idea, I have a, a set of constraints in mind and, and I do it, but then I actually get very, very surprised by some of the shapes I, I, I sculpt myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, and actually sometimes they're so weird that I'm just like, one of the sculptures is actually shoulder path. Uh, I uh, started it in 2008 and I was so uncomfortable with the shape that did not make any sense to me at the time that I actually stored the sculpture um, two, two years in my st- two and a half years in my studio in the ceiling. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. And so for two and a half years, that, that little guy was up there until somebody uh, saw a, an image and was like, what is this crazy thing? This looks amazing. Can you please finish it and have it? Uh, we, we would like to exhibit it uh, in uh, the Philadelphia uh, University of the Arts. And I said, you know, I'm not sure about this, but I'll, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll check it out. And so I put it down. And uh, I actually started looking at it in a very different way two and a half years later, you know, and I was just like, wow, this is very interesting, <laughs> very interesting shape. And so I decided to um, invite uh, um, this girl, um, Anna Fink, uh, who has been designing uh, the outfits for uh, the Merskeningham uh, Dance Company uh, for about eight years. And to just uh, collaborate on an outfit uh, with me uh, for the sculpture. And, um, um, and so we, we made that photograph for that exhibition. And then there's also the drawing where I actually painted myself, uh, you know, like f- painted my body and rolled on the drawing uh, in order to get the, the blueprint, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like this between the photograph, the, the drawing and the sculpture, there's this whole process that I find uh, actually, you know... I just love to do it, but uh, so I'm telling you about like the awkwardness of the shapes that are like so unusual, so unusual that actually, I, I it, it really took me some time, mm-hmm. you know, and then I decided to just let myself be surprised and not put any judgment on what results I was getting. Mm. And I think this awkwardness also reveals uh, uh, its mode of production somehow because you're 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 basically. Uh, Acting upon the matter with your with your own body and kind of imp- uh, empirically empirically uh, achieve achieve a shape directly acting upon the matter, right? Yep. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. When it used to be maybe in your in your in earlier works, it there, there was also a, a certain form of awkwardness, but not the same one because it was it was mostly based on assemblages of uh, maybe. And uncanny, uncanny uh, assemblages of like of 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 things. Yeah, you? yeah. Well, it's actually there's like this two. Uh, well, my work branches out, but the thing is like actually the, the now the body the the different uh, bodies of work uh, uh, shape themselves like uh, reveal themselves mm-hmm. because at first I had a piece uh, dealing with um, balance per se, another one dealing more with uh, structure and uh, body uh, effort and others uh, more dealing with gesture. But it takes time to actually build a body of work, and I don't like to just pick one concept and go for it. You know, it's, it's sometimes I just, it doesn't work this way. So there are artists that do, like, for 10 years the same thing, and 10 next years another, but I actually do 
my whole body of work is evolving at the same time. So let's say when I, you know, towards the end of my life, you'll be able to see 25 pieces dealing with the balance, maybe 32 with whatever. But so I'm building them as, uh, you know, like I start with one and then two years I work on another and then another, the next year I, I'll go back to that. So there are indeed uh, some that I deal with more, um, uh, that I, I are more structural. Like, uh, for example, um, Drunken Body, uh, what I, I did like very much in this piece is that actually I challenged my body, but I also challenged the structure that I built, where actually the structure is suspended. And it's not so much me uh, negotiating with a balance and space, um, like on uh, uh, Such a Pretty Girl, Behave Yourself, but it's more like the, uh, the structure I designed and I are negotiating each other, where like um, the two... Um, those like triangulated structure coming out of the the wall or the the beam mm -hmm. uh, are suspended it's and like my weight levered. <laughs> yes and my weight goes on it and so it's like this weight and energy circulating back and pressing against uh, the pillar where um, and then I work you know with the force of my body so I just like that you know it's the I'm working with the force of the structure and then the force of the body and then and see what in what kind of relationship they can. Uh, um, Operate. Yeah, operate. Mm. Uh, well, I'm I'm glad that you 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 brought up a certain form of chronology of your own of your own work because that allows me to ask you questions about something you were uh, very eager to talk about, which is what you're what you're currently researching about. I think I think it it's uh, it's quite specific and involved uh, involved uh, uh, maybe what we usually. Uh, uh, define as a dichotomy between the, the mind and the body but uh, uh, obviously thinking in that case of uh, of them very much together right yeah well the, yeah absolutely so the, the thing is like I come from a, a, a background where um, my, my mom is a librarian and you could you would think that she deals with words but actually she's a librarian for a scientific um, uh, university and she doesn't have a background she's a librarian she's, she has this very uh, intuitive and very intelligence about her where she can deal with books that she doesn't even know you know the, the, she doesn't know the content but for some awkward reason she's actually able to to store them and, and organize them for the researchers but in any case she I don't come from an intellectual background whatsoever and my dad is a salesperson and though he's like yes to, you know dealing with architects and clients um, and trying to sell his products um, there was never any concept articulated uh, at home and so maybe it could be one of the reasons why I was so much in the body, where I had so much to say, but uh, maybe unable to actually uh, articulate it with words. Um, and um, um, I was always very um, pers persuaded. I mean, for, like, for, for the longest time, I was always persuaded that the mind and the body are not separated. Like we always say we have a body and then we always uh, uh, have uh, this idea of like a, a spiritual life that is outside of us. And um, I've always been very uh, um, questioning it and being like, I, do, I just don't understand what's going on here, you know, where um, I, I think we are electricity, chemistry, I mean, you name it, atoms, you know, moving matter. 
but that um, thoughts are electrical, are also chemical, are also moving matter. And so I thought, like, you know, why why would we split this? You know, like um, uh, so much so that uh, in uh, um, uh, more like recently, I've started uh, studying uh, um, the plasticity of the brain. Uh, cognitive uh, processes, um, neurogenic uh, uh, diseases, um, also uh, high potential people uh, and uh, uh, autism. And uh, I've been reading a lot and I just realized that my work, th these readings are informing what I've been doing um, for so long and which is like thinking with the whole body. Like our body is um our body is our intelligence you, you don't think just with like this abstracts like you you actually think with your senses uh and uh i find it quite um i'm actually so happy that it's finally you know happening that uh, people are uh writing about this but actually you guys should uh read um there are um Maybe uh, um, the brain that changes itself by Norman Deutsch, right? So I think that that it's um, a book about brain uh, plasticity, and uh, anybody interested in uh, you know how like we we used to think the brain is actually uh, hardwired, and how each area is correspond to a cert certain function and how they're um, finally and it's been discovered for a long time already people have been working on it but you know how how long it takes uh, for like advanced researches to reach out to uh, the scientific world and what's it's finally convinced it's uh, they're finally the, the the awesome researchers have finally convinced their peers that their researches are uh, worth uh, a shot Then it goes into the scientific world, then scientific magazines, then from scientific magazines into like, you know, getting in touch with, I mean, reaching us out. And so it takes like, like 50, 75 years, sometimes a lot more. And so finally, like these books are uh, coming out and these ideas of uh, the plasticity of the brain. But then like, I'm like the plasticity of the brain, the plasticity of the body. And, and another, actually, um, I, I have to find his name, like Jeff Hawkins, also talking about the brain as a memory and not just a processor. I, uh, I thought it was actually quite beautiful how the brain is just basically a, a re recorder. Like you're born and then you learn how to hold a spoon and then you remember how to hold a spoon so you don't have to reprocess every time. If, if the brain was just a processor, we would be reprocessing, but the brain is actually m m uh, mostly memory. And I love the idea that actually if the brain is memory, then the body is memory as well. Like we memorize in our, uh, with our sensory system situations and gestures and which um, can carry either anger or love or, you know, um, um, this very like uh, dense uh, psychological world. And and so I'm I'm researching this, and I think and so now I'm like you're catching me in the middle of that research. So I'm not too sure how this is going to be implemented in uh, my work as a visual artist. But my next piece is actually um, um, 
several teeter totters. So it's always based on the, the idea of like a, a two person on a on a, a balancing a, a be, a balancing on a beam. But this time I'm gonna. I, I really want people to be able to experience this. And before I did it so at such a level that I can I can only ask professionals. So what I'm gonna do is like I'm gonna do a very a teeter totter like very close to the ground, like let's say uh, a foot, and then a second one right next to it where you can actually step from one to the other at a two foot high and three and then da 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 until it goes like really high. And I want people to be able to see that what the um, what you require from the body to to actually be on balance on the beam is is actually in fact the same thing from one level to the other, but that what really uh, uh, can throw you off is maybe your fears that are stored in your body. And, and the fear of height or the fear of like, oh my God, danger. And, but in, in fact, it actually requires the exact same amount of skills, physically speaking, literally mm -hmm. like physically speaking. So anyway, this is going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm actually even thinking that I, I, to, to present uh, some of that work uh, to um, uh, scientists or maybe um, psychologists and uh, doctors and see how I could work with them and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, shape some work to help uh, maybe children with disabilities or with uh, issues. I don't know. Like it's and and maybe to to also put back this research into the the the, the art the art world and how one can inform the other and and, uh, mm. and the reciprocal and uh, the reciprocal being true as well. When we prepared this conversation, you were telling me about this uh, this one woman who actually saw a connection, I mean, experienced a connection between the between the, the tracing complex lines and uh, actually the the ability to 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 speak, read, and uh, and uh, write. Is that yeah. Right? So actually, in it's actually she's uh, mentioned in the brain that changes itself by uh, Norman Doge, and her name is uh, Barbara Cohen. She created the Aerosmith School in Toronto, and uh, Barbara was uh, considered a uh, retarded. I mean, it's not a pretty word, but that's what the, the word at the time uh, was used for her. And she had like really like uh, uh, difficult issues um, to be able to evolve and relate to our, you know, uh, our, our world, um, uh, mental disorders. I mean, not. I don't know how to. That's not mental disorders. It's really, um, yeah. I guess mental disorders. Well, you in can general, call it this I way. think I think we can we can see uh, the notion of handicap as as being related to the world we live in, which is not which is made for a certain type of body and therefore becomes inadequate for another form. Yeah, of totally. but so in any case, man, I don't like to. I mean, it's just like these words, like you know, like retarded. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like it's, it's uh, to me, it seems like totally insane to yeah, to yeah. think in in the, within that. Uh, those, this vocabulary is just so awkward. Mm -hmm. But um, so she um, um, just have stum uh, stumbled upon some uh, uh, readings. Where she intuitively like was like, oh wow wait the the brain is plastic, and so if the brain is plastic and and it's, you know she, and it's weird very intelligent women at the same time with her uh, disabilities, 
But she actually decided to and, and ex to experiment with herself and try to uh, change her fate and really um, did w everything she could to to transform her brain to make it function uh, at a uh, you know within uh, our uh, uh, within society. But so she um, along this uh, so she created this school. And she has a autistic uh, uh, and other uh, disorder, uh, um, other people with dis different disorders, usually uh, young people. And she discovered that uh, complex line uh, uh, tracing, like tracing complex line drawings, uh, improved the children in the three areas of like speaking, writing, and reading. And uh, and that's just. A, Fantastic in the chronology of my work, in my uh, biography, how uh, coming from uh, um, a family, an absolutely like zero intellectual background, where I actually had to express myself through the body and the ma and material building, uh, and I started doing uh, line drawings, um, and I started doing line drawings about like four years ago. But like they became more and more complex, and as the drawings became more and more complex, I noticed. I just noticed after reading this that it correlated with me started speaking about my work, and being able to speak about it more eloquently and uh, being more articulate about it, and also maybe just uh, um, the the fear I had maybe or like the insecurities I had about not thinking that I, I couldn't I wasn't able to talk about my work when in, in fact I had never tried just because you know nobody around me at that time like had you know uh, given me the opportunity to express myself in that in that way so it's just funny to see how like my line drawings getting more complex and more uh, accomplished also correlated with me speaking more about my work and being just more articulate about it so I just, you know, these research, I, I keep bumping into like these amazing uh, um, uh, uh, testimonies of, of people doing things that I'm just like, oh my God, they're actually putting into words things I've been thinking or doing uh, for years. So it's very exciting at mm. uh, many levels. All right. Well, Yves, I think uh, that concludes uh, very well our, our conversation. Thank you, thank you very much for taking the time and uh, ho hosting us in this uh, fabulous studio. Uh, and um, and uh, we obviously, the, such a conversation will, will require a certain amount of, uh, of uh, visual documents to go with it, but that, that will be something available. So Cool. <laughs> Thanks so much, Leopold. Thank you.